Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 2, Episode 15, Part 2 of The Home Brew. Following up from our last episode, Jim and I talk all about how to create your own homebrew campaign. Then we move on to our homebrewed deserted island and finish fleshing it out. Beware of the four-armed gorillas. <laughs> Listen for Jim to present our fantasy factoid, which is a rare occasion. And we have a special announcement for our next show. All this and more in this episode of 13-Sided Die. Hello, people. It is Sean and my good friend Jim here for our latest edition of 13-Sided Die. And uh, how you doing, Jim? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, a few things on the brain right now. I'll be 100% honest, and I'm not totally organized for this at all. So Jim's going to do the heavy lifting uh, this this go-around. But uh, yeah, it'll be good. Ever, uh... Are we ever really ready for this? <laughs> well, I sometimes do at least think about it, but I've not even thought about it. Um, but that's okay. And I'm excited, though. It's a continuation of our last podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk about some more homebrew stuff. And then in a later part of this uh, episode, we're going to go back to the uh, deserted island and do some more work there, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So what what is our general theme of our main topic again this time? We are going to do what? Uh, like how to create a homebrew campaign, just kind of awesome. Some notes and brainstorming on that. That sounds perfect. Um, do you want to kick it off then and get me uh, get me warmed up and going? Uh, sure. Yeah. Like uh, what I got here. Like like we said last time. Like make sure you got enough toys in your sandbox. That's always a huge one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, make sure you integrate your characters' backstories with your campaign. Make the story more immersive, so the players will be more engaged with your story. I think some DMs really miss out on that opportunity. As a good DM, what you need to realize is that you don't have to do all the work. And and if you lean on your players, they'll do a ton of the work for you. And it's remarkable whenever I've said to a player, like they'll, they'll, you know, they'll say something, yeah, you know, um, oh, that reminds me of this person that I knew when I was, you know, my backstory. I'm like, I'm like, great. Tell me about that person. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they look at you kind of funny. Like, can I just make shit up? And you're like, yeah, dude, have fun, man. Like, go for it, because I'm not going to... If anything, I'm just going to keep letting you go, and I'll pile on. Like, um, it helps us. As a DM, it helps us. And then that person, that player, is super invested, right? Because now they've gone and created that NPC, and they're they're jazzed about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've had players create, like, little towns and stuff that they grew up in, or their player yeah. grew up in. And that's totally. awesome. Then you just... You don't have to do any work. You just grab that and smack into your game. Exactly. That is exactly it. The more you're going to get them to do it, the easier it comes for you. It's thoughts that you probably never would have had. So that's always exciting. And uh, the player is way more invested. So it's, it's like a win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you do the opposite, but I always think uh, start small, then build <laughs> out. Uh, see what your players are interested in. Because like I think of it like the places won't like exist, mm. quote unquote, until in the world until the players actually go there. So yeah. I don't like to spend time uh, building like details and stuff on a place that they might not even go to. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. I think also it depends on the scope of what we're talking, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm generally talking about a full campaign that can be anywhere from 50 to 100 games. So it, it's a whole big, big world. And um, I decided this uh, this go around when we kind of started playing again about seven years ago um, that I would make all of these games and even new campaigns in the same world. So I really wanted to build kind of like my own Greyhawk, I guess, in a way. So for a lot of mine, like I, like Jim said, I did start with, uh, you know, a kind of a big map of that world. And then I started putting in all kind of key cities and stuff in, but I didn't do a lot of work in those cities. Like I, I was very geographical, like the North is very cold and snowy and mountainous. And then it's really, really hot and arid desert down in the, you know, the Southwest. So I did some of that stuff. So I knew what the areas were like. And then I just focused in on where the main story was going to be. And that kind of section of the world is where I've kind of focused a little bit more and started working that way. So, mm-hmm. but the thing about it, I think you need to be, you just have to be bold, just be bold and daring. And, you know, and if you don't know, if you don't have something figured out, if the players go like, well, we're going here today and you're like, oh no, I don't have anything there. It doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. have fun, make it up, try and get it. So it blends into your story. And if you mess that up and it doesn't blend, 
well, after the game, think about it and think, why doesn't it blend? What's, what's, what, why not? And what can you do to make that why not work? You know, like just yeah. have fun with it. I love that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like how do, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, like, what's special about your world? Mm-hmm. Special factions, knights, mages. You know, I got to bring up Dragonlance every episode. Oh, it's, it's in contract. Here we so, go. You know, like how Kryn is unique yeah. with like having the mages of high sorcery in the test. Yep. Like, that's awesome. That's going to bring uh, players and characters like to that spot because they're going to be interested because that's different and new. Yeah, I think it's really important to, um, I mean, I, basically you think about the, the world we live in as the analog to, you know, what the world you create for your, for your players to be in. And obviously in our world, there's, you know, of course here in Canada, towns, cities, provinces, country, uh, you know, and then as you go bigger out, you know, you've got your continents and then the world itself. So, I, but within that, there's like, you know, we have our city government, right? The municipal government, provincial government, we have the federal governments, you have all that different levels. And I think it's really important in your game to add all that kind of stuff to it. Like, what is the what's going on in the town? Right? Is there a mayor? Is there what is there like a, you know, a a board? Is there a governing board? What is it? What's the deal for the town? Then law, who is in charge of the law? Is that totally separate from the the mayor and such? Or is it connected to city hall or whatever? Right? Mm -hmm. Um, and figuring that out, um, is it a corrupt law or is it just, are there people that are dirty inside the law? Like, of course there probably is. And, and figuring those kind of things out. And just like you said about Dragonlance, um, I love having in my worlds, um, a, a, like a kind of a magical order of some sorts, which is kind yeah. of interesting, right? So you want to have that. And uh, I did something really cool in uh, the campaign we're in right now. One of my players is a cleric and they're a, F- a Firbolg cleric. And they're kind of just like wild and from the woods and all that kind of stuff, right? Obed High's their god. But they're not really a traditional cleric in a way. They're they're kind of a little different, right? Like not totally tied to it. So what I decided that I thought it'd be really fun is I created this thing that they belong to called the um, Circle of Unity. And the Circle of Unity is a board that is trying to get all different religious groups so basically all different churches that pray to different gods to join into a, a group of them above it. You can still have your own gods and you still have your own religion, but you belong to the circle of unity and you kind of help each other and lean on each other. So she became uh, a member of the circle of unity and her job, part of her job as a player is to go out and to every time she was in a new town, she has to go to, to churches and stuff and talk to <laughs> different priests and see if she can bring them into the fold of the circle of unity. And I uh, had the, a couple of the members of the circle of unity come in and check on her and see how she was doing, and then they give her tasks, and of course, then they give her aid, and it was a really neat thing to do something, but again, it's all these different different wheels that are turning, you know? Yeah. So, law, um, government, um, what about monarchy, royalty, because you can have government and royalty, mm-hmm. um, wizards, right? Some kind of uh, thing that works around the wizards, some guild, and then uh, I also did some stuff for because there's always natural churches, but I did this thing above that where it's trying to tie the churches together. So you just have all these different things going on that creates spice and, and can really add to a cool story. Yeah. And then you got to think, and then the other side of that coin too, all the monsters. Right. So it's like, what's their hierarchy? How does that work? You know, what's their law? <laughs> totally, totally. And you always want it, whatever you kind of do on the side of, you know, the normal world you want to have on the opposing. So you want to figure out what that is. And, I never, we said so many times, you don't want a flat bad guy, right? That no, bad guy has multidimensional, has to have reason. You always have to, why are they doing this? Any good movie or any good book you've read, the villain has a reason why they're doing something. And uh, much like we said before, I think if you can actually come up with a really good reason, you can almost all of a sudden make your villain not so villainous. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're doing something for a good reason, um, but they're doing it in bad ways, then it becomes a judgment call on how bad they are. And that becomes very interesting because it makes the players have to try and figure that stuff out and make a, a moral decision. So it, more of that texture that you can put into your world, the better. Like it just makes it so exciting for people to be in it because all of a sudden it just feels like there's so much going on. And, and guys, you don't have to spend a ton of time doing that. Like you can literally write a couple of lines down for each of the different things we just talked about. Have one page that talks about the different, you know, factions that exist in your world from law and religion and kingdoms and whatever. And you can use that as your starting point and then you just build upon it. 
But if that stuff exists, that's really cool. And then if you can take stuff that, you know, if you do have a setup of however you want to do your, you know, your order of wizards, and then maybe like those of the blue robe do not get along with those of the red robe. And then you've immediately created some kind of thing. So if one of your players is a blue robe, if you ever sees a red robe wizard, there's going to be something going on. So you start creating, yeah, you start creating tensions and, and stuff, right? And trust and mistrust. And yeah, I think that kind of stuff's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like real life, not everything's black and white, right? You need that gray, gray areas, yeah. moral dilemmas. It's more realistic yeah. and just makes for totally. better stories, in my opinion. It does completely. And your players shouldn't be black and white. Your players no. should have varying degrees of what their beliefs are and how far they would really go to do something. And, you know, and some might be very just and some might not be. It's It just adds more spice, right? Um, the previous campaign we played, the players went all over Ardnor, all over and also all different times in Ardnor because they went back in time. Um, and that was really exciting. This next campaign that we're doing now, I wanted to keep it a little more localized. So I really focused on a, a main town, like a main uh, town that they'd be in. And they, I kind of tried to anchor them a bit to the town. By the very beginning of the game, they were um, given a house in the town. And that became like their their whole their central place. And we played a lot of games in that town. So I drew out the town. I numbered all the buildings and I went through and decided who was in every building. Like what was the building? Was it a, you know, I figured out which areas were for, um, you know, merchants and which areas for like uh, the people who are on city council who are a little bit richer and, and all the different things. And once I figured out all the buildings, I figured out who were in them. So I came up with different people and I created different races and genders and then of course names and I went through on that list and I said, okay, are they, um, you know, good, neutral, evil? And I did mm-hmm. have kind of an alignment on each person. Then once I did that, I put down if there was any connections to other people in the town or any um, rifts between them. And I kind of basically made almost a story about the town based on all the people there. But the greatest thing was that they could go anywhere in the town and go in the door. And I knew exactly who was in there. I knew what they were like. I knew what they looked like. I, for some of them, they had special voices. I put down a little thing to remind me what they sounded like. And that was huge for me. That was so, and that did take a little bit of time, but that was massive because every game I can use that. I just pull it up and I go exact straight to the thing. And then if there's a gathering, I can pull different people from different places on the map and bring them to the gathering. And then the people, the players have seen these people before. Um, that was, for me, was super helpful and allowed me to be very, very free because I didn't have to, I wrote down the general things about them that I needed to know. After that, I just could ad lib and have fun with it. And yeah, so, you, uh, go ahead. If you're a dungeon master, like you probably love doing that stuff anyways. Right? Like we say, you can, you can write one line about the tavern. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the skull keep tavern. Yeah. And then, then you'll, oh, well, I'm going to write down that there's a big skull on the sign and that you know, <laughs> kind of looks like Castle Grey Skull. Yeah. Oh, and then, then, then you, oh, no, I'm going to have the, the barkeep. He's going to be kind of Skeletorish looking, you know, totally. maybe he's a, a skeleton that works there. And then before you know it, you'll have a page. <laughs> yep. Yep. And like you said, Jim, we, we like that kind of stuff, right? So mm-hmm. we, we tend to, you know, lean towards that, but, you know, start with the basics, flesh it out, and then just keep adding to it. And the thing about it too, is as your players go to these places, when the players visit Jim's tavern, they're going to learn stuff and you're going to, they're going to, by being there are going to, create the tavern's history as well. And so you can add to it from that. So, um, yeah, what I would say to everybody, if you, um, if you want to be a little bit freer, something that I have done, um, for a lot of years is I went out and I picked up, um, a cheap microphone. It's literally the microphone that's recording Jim and I talking right now. So it's a standalone mic that you put batteries in, or you can plug it in with a little USB thing. And um, it uh, it could just record directly into it. So what I would do in our game is I would just plop it down on our table uh, when we were live and just put it on the table and turn it on. And so our whole game would be recorded. Everything I said, everything the player said. And at the end of the game, I'd take it off. I'd put it onto the computer in a directory of that game. And then uh, I didn't have to take very good notes because I could just go and listen to that game and fast forward to a point to hear something to, if I missed something or needed notes on it. Freeing myself up from not having to write notes as a DM during the game made my gameplay way better because I didn't have to worry about, oh, you know, Connor said this great thing. What was that that he said? And you're trying to scribble down what he said. And half time, I'll be honest, I'll go back, look at my notes. They're like chicken scratch. I can't read this shit. Like, I don't know what the hell I just wrote because you're writing it in the in that moment. You're so excited and it doesn't make any sense. I would just try and make mental notes of things that mm-hmm. were fun and to go back to them. Um, that made a massive difference in my gameplay. 
And um, those microphones, you can buy them for anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks. So they're not very expensive. Um, the amount of time it'll save you is a godsend, I tell you. Yeah, that's not for everybody, though. Uh, I definitely would never record our D&D sessions <laughs> for some of my players. <laughs> None of that needs to be recorded ever. <laughs> yeah, we always say it's kind of a private session and it's not meant for anything else. Um, things that are said in D&D sessions are pretty, pretty scary and should yeah, remain some, question, some questionable actions by some of my players for sure over the years. <laughs> that can happen. That can happen. So, yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. It's up to you. But uh, I do find it super helpful not to have to worry about taking those notes and not, you know, not having to worry about taking good notes. And so uh, that works. I also, at the end of our game, I go and do a synopsis. So I try and do it the next day. I don't always, but if I can, and I just quickly type out a synopsis of kind of what happened. And then we've talked about in other shows. That's the, I read that at the beginning of the next game. So everyone kind of gets back into the game right away because I read this little synopsis. Um, and it's fun to go back and read through the whole history of your campaign, which is kind of fun anyway. Um, yeah. But those couple of little things can really make, when you're doing a homebrew campaign that is all from your mind and created, can really help build that because you're, you know, you're documenting it kind of as you go a little bit. Yeah. And like you said, do it while it's fresh. Yeah. Don't be like, oh, I'll do it right before next session. You won't. You're not going to remember anything. It, it, no. And then if you're having to, if you do have it recorded, you're having to let you listen. You're almost having to listen to the whole thing bit by bit. So all, all of a sudden you've listened to four or five hours and it's taken up so much time. It's no, do it the next day. Go back to the tape if you need clarification on something. But yeah, knock it out and get it done right away. Yeah. And like uh, what we were talking before about like making towns and stuff for yeah. homebrew. There's lots of guides online and they, they do some like pretty good points. They'll be like. What's your town's main resource? Yes. Because that's going to help build it. You know, if it's a mining town, then okay, then you kind of get, what's the size of it? Wealth, culture, unique structures. Yes. Rumors. And then by then you got a full flesh town already. Yeah. Yeah. That is huge. Um, you know, like, uh, you like Jim saying, I, I think that's really important to, like, there's always a reason a town exists. You know, it could just be that's where settlers stopped. It was the place. It looked good. It was near a river. So the settlers started building a town. But usually there's a reason there's a resource nearby to help out. And the river could be the resource, but it's all you have to have a reason. You know what I mean? At least at the beginning for the town. Um, having a reason is a scary thing because sometimes I make uh, a dungeon crawl and then I get really carried away, worried about what that room is for. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, if I've made this room, this, this, and this, it's like, does that make sense? It's like, dude, don't get up. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it's like, it's, it's thousands of years old. It's probably been like a hundred different rooms over the years. So it doesn't matter what it is or why, like, you know what I mean? Um, so don't get too hung up. And I think being the DM, we're the most critical of our stuff. Mm-hmm. players oh, yeah. are never going to say like really you've got a, a kitchen here and the dining hall is like on the other side like they're not going to care <laughs> no. they don't care uh we tend to worry about that more than others yeah yeah i know uh building material too that's another one um mm-hmm. i remember when we were doing our out of the abyss campaign and we were in the underdark yeah and a lot of stuff down there is built out of zerk wood that's like mushroom wood mm. that blew my mind like still cool. i always think about that i'm like there's like a wood that's made out of mushrooms. I'm like, that's so rad. It's like, I've thrown that in like almost every game I've done now, <laughs> you know, that's stuff really like that cool. obviously made a big impression on me. Yeah. And if you think about it too, how many, how many fantasy places um, have you visited as a player or as a DM that have crazy, strange things because of that, again, because of the surroundings. So have fun with it, lean into it. It, you we have so much reality in our lives. We want fantasy. And when you play a game of D and D or whatever RPG you're playing, you want to have that world to be a fantasy world, you know, so you can't escape everything. You don't want it to be like just normal wooden brick. It can be other things. Everything yeah. about it can be different. That's exciting. Yeah. I just find that's way more immersive because then that, what do you mean? There's uh, you know, like, purple glowing stuff in the walls like totally. what is that <laughs> like, <laughs> totally well, you can have so much fun with things too it's like there could be portal stations like throughout the town there could be natural portals that's why they built the town there that if you step into this portal it shunts you to the other side of the town you know kind of like a subway system uh <laughs> that would be cool you could, and in a chase scene that would be really neat um these are kind of cool things that you could look at doing i mean just like i said be bold have fun and i always think I, th- I always think a couple of things. I th- uh, the first one I go to is what would it look like in a movie, right? Like if I was watching this, mm. what would it look like in a movie? What would happen in a movie? Like when I'm trying to think about, you know, fun things to add to the, the, the kind of the scenario, I always try and think of it 
as cinematic, what would look cool in a movie and what would be fun. So that I'm always thinking of that. Um, so I think that's important. The next one I always think of is what would I enjoy playing? If I was a player, what would I enjoy running around doing and how would I enjoy the landscape or the, you know, the, the, the systems of uh, government and law? How would I enjoy interacting or, or what would piss me off? You know what I mean? What would be a real frustration for my character? Well, I'll put that in for them then, because I want to frustrate yeah. my players too. Tolls. And it's, yeah, right? <laughs> Tolls, exactly. Tolls. Yeah. If you guys are, any of you who watch Critical Role in the current campaign, they were in a city a little while back, about 10 episodes or so ago, and Matt was constantly hitting him with was like a couple of silver piece tolls all the time to go from one, and it was driving everyone crazy. It was so great. Um, I love that stuff. And uh, I think that, you know, what needs to be said too is a, as a, as a DM, your biggest task is to frustrate your players. And I don't mean that in a negative way and to piss people off, but you've done a really good job as a DM. If your player's sitting there going like, damn, I don't know which one to pick, or I don't know which way to go, you've done a good yeah. job. Like You want to throw stuff at your players all the time that puts them in a situation that isn't life or death, but makes them having to make a decision between this or that, or that one as well. Like you know, And they have to figure out which one should I do first. And then the group has to have a discussion. We really need to get to this one because time is, I mean, oh yeah, but the other one over here, we need to do that one too because time's running out on that. And, and if you're doing that kind of stuff and putting them in those situations, you've done a good job because the reality again we're not trying to copy life but our lives are full of that our lives are always like i gotta pay this bill and i need to go and get this done first and i have to go over here and there's always these things we need to figure out so your players need to have that in their world as well they can't just be like i'm just wade through and do whatever they want that's not that's no that's not how life works you don't we're not no one's that blessed you have things you have to figure out things you have to do and you have to figure out the right order to do them in and it's great if you can put two directly in conflict with each other. Like, if you do this one, you're going to mess the other one up and vice versa. Yeah. So you have to literally make that decision on how to do this. Those are great things to do. And in a homebrew, you have a much bigger opportunity to do those things. And if you don't do stuff, repercussions, just like real life. Totally. <laughs> don't take out the garbage for a couple of weeks. It's going to start stinking. That's <laughs> exactly it. Exactly it. And so um, it's really good to keep notes on things like stuff like that. I, I tend to do like events. So I kind of keep it a bit of an event log. So if I throw something out there saying like, this is going to happen and no one bites on it, I'm like, okay. And like Jim saying, what are the circumstances? What things happen? What repercussions are there if they don't do anything about it? So I'll just kind of make little notes. So then after a couple of the games later, it'll be like, this little thing that you didn't do anything about is like a raging inferno now. Like it's, <laughs> you should have dealt with it earlier, you know, but you need to remember those little things. Those are important. Um, yeah, that, uh, that tavern tab you guys didn't pay, like you got right? hitmen coming out for you now. Totally. <laughs> There's interest <Yeah>. on that. <laughs> and isn't it a shame that those, those, you know, the, the money men turn up at the worst possible time <laughs> when you're meeting the mayor and talking to the mayor about something, these guys are going to be able to ask him about your bar tab. Like it's, you know, yeah. that's the fun of what we get to do, <laughs> of putting players in awkward positions and having them to deal with it. But it is just being bold and having fun and being creative. It, it is highly creative. I think DMing is a very creative th- thing and if you're not a creative person that's okay you just kind of need to plan to be creative a little bit you might have to put a little bit more forethought into it and not relying on it off the cuff as much um but again think about a movie or a book how would it go in a book what are cool things that happen uh how can you introduce it to your players and snag them into scenarios and things and i'm not trying to say again i'm not trying to say be mean to your players but you just want to give them opportunities they have to work with and deal with and if they don't there's consequences that's how life works and then like, like we always say, like riff with another creative too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I always take notes during the show and I got down here, portal stations in town, naturally there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. I like it. Maybe there's portals on our Island. Oh, Ooh. oh spoiler. Um, spoiler. Spoiler for um, later. <laughs> but yeah, that, that Jim's right. Like, you know, there's so many times Jim and I just sit and hang out and chat and the fun things that come from those conversations because you get spurred on by other people. And um, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, when I was a, a worked in a, a digital agency and I was a creative director, we, you know, we always said that the adage, like, there's no bad ideas. And and people often say like, well, yeah, there are bad ideas. No, there, there's tons of bad ideas. But what we should say is that you're allowed to say bad ideas in here because mm. when someone says a bad idea what happens is your brain thinks of the good idea. Like you go opposite it. So someone saying something bad, you everyone tends to laugh. Like that's stupid, but it'd be really cool if, you know what I mean? Because it immediately flips it. And so that's why we always say there's, there is no bad idea because 
um, say it because it's going to go and help you think of something cool. And if you get to bounce ideas off of somebody, you just sit and talk and riff and have fun. And the amazing things that can come up from it are just unbelievable. And so any DMs out there, if you have another friend that's a DM or whatever, and it can be done on chat, it can be done on Instagram, talking, you know, anywhere. Yeah, if you get a chance to just sit and go through ideas with them and they'll help knock stuff out for you and come up with some really cool ideas. Yeah, like portal stations in a town. That's kind of a dumb idea, Sean. Portal stations in town that you have to pay a fee to use. (laughs) That's an awesome idea. (laughs) I see what you did there. You merged things. I like it. I like it a lot. That's Um, really cool. Yeah, there's so much you can do. Um, One of our earlier episodes, we talked about practical things in a game. And I swear, if you can add practical stuff, it's just huge. I try and create little... um, little like a cards. So if the, if the players are going to eventually get to an area and they're going to come across these items, I will, if it's a magical sword or if it's, you know, some kind of, it's a flute that when you blow it, something happens. I tend to, if I can, I'll go and get a picture off the internet that I like of it, put it in. I'll almost make like, um, like almost like a, a magic playing card type of thing that will detail the, 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 what the thing looks like, what it does. And then I'll put in its stats and that kind of stuff. And so when the player finds it, I'd hand that across the table to them. And you'd be surprised how excited players get when they can actually hold this, you know, this thing, even though it's a card. It's way more than them just for years I played as a player and people would say what it is and you're frantically scribbling it down. But to receive it and have a card about it, and that way what's really cool in the game too is that if you give it to somebody, you just hand them the card. So if they use that weapon or that item, you don't have to tell them what it does. You just hand it to them and they can use it. So it's very helpful in game. So that's a great thing to do um, for your homebrew stuff. Come up with stuff, just write it up, talk about it, and then hand it out to people. Yeah, even just, yeah, for inventory sakes. Because yep. I'm like, okay, who has the magic yep. lamp, you know? <laughs> yeah, and what does that lamp do again? And everyone's looking through yeah. their notes. It's not just hand the lamp card to that person and they can use it. So those make a huge difference. I think uh, something else that I really enjoy too, and we talked before about like puzzles and stuff, and I can't remember if we ever talked about this one on the show or not, but... I did this really fun thing. I can see it up on the wall over there. It was like a, it was a map. So when you looked at it, it was a map and it had mountains and a pathway and an X marks the spot and some rivers around it and some trees. It didn't really mean anything. It, 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 it was like, and it told you that it was the map to, um, I can't remember, Hayden something. I can't remember the Hayden Road or something it was called. And no one had ever figured out where that was. Like they, no one ever was able to figure it out. And so I had one of my characters, and this is something I love to do as a DM is I will go and I will um, take one of my players aside before the game, so either in person or texting, and say, listen, next session, you you guys are going to be given this map. It's called the map of Hayden Road. And when you get it, no one's going to understand. It's just this map doesn't mean anything. But you are going to know something from your background. And it's called the Cartographer's Crease. And what you can do, and the map is folded up a a bunch of times. And so I show them how if you fold it this way, fold it that way, fold it this way, fold it that way, and you put it together you've all of a sudden created a smaller map and very much like those, I think we did talk about this, those mad magazines that when they oh, used yeah, to yeah, fold yeah. the back yeah. of the pages and it makes something different. When you fold this map down, it shows a total different map and it actually shows where the thing is. And it was, that, I mean, I'm a graphic designer, so I'm able to do that. So I don't expect people to, you know, to do that. But what the main thing is, is that talking to your player and giving them privy information to something that's coming up and giving them some extra bonus to it. So you explain to them, okay, you're going to know what this item is. You've seen it in the past. You can tell all the players about it. And that's really fun for a player to kind of, it feels like secret knowledge that no one else knows. Mm -hmm. And when that happens and then they get to say it in front of everybody, everyone's kind of like, how do you know that? And forget that I've talked to them in advance. And it's it's just a silly little thing, but boy, does it bring excitement to the table. And it's so simple to do. And again, you're engaging your players. You're getting them to have fun with it. Super great thing to do. Oh, that's awesome. And I encourage all of our listeners to prove Sean wrong. And I want everyone to make one of those maps and send us a picture of it. That's funny. That is so funny. <laughs> what, what we can, I'm trying to think. I could probably put a picture of it or something up and maybe we can make a link for it below. So I'll see if there's something I can do to give people a chance to be able to see it. Uh, oh, what it would cool. look like. Yeah. yeah. It's not It's not very hard. It's not that hard. You just have to do a little planning, but it was super fun and it worked really, really well. But um, yeah, and you can do that with anything. It's just, you want to uh, uh, you want to make the folds first, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, you know you, what you, it'll look like. Yeah, yeah. Like I drew it out in like Photoshop, and I put lines where the folds would be, so I knew. And then I kind of mm. drew it all out, and then you know put it together. But yeah, if you fold it up first, and I mean, really, you fold it, put it into the final fold, and draw the stuff, and then when you unfold it, you draw the rest of the bogus stuff yeah. in. Is kind of what you do. 
Um, yeah, it's really cool. And the folds aren't that hard to do. And so we can certainly maybe try and show people what it is. It's too bad this, I'm doing it right now. I'm folding it in front of people right now. They yeah. just can't <laughs> see me doing it. So I guess maybe we should be more video than audio. I don't know. Yeah, just written down here. Folding map puzzle. All right. Isn't it interesting as a side note how um, in the last year or two years, how podcasts have kind of exploded? And I, I find it really interesting because it is so available to have video, right? Like YouTube and I mean, it's so easy to put video in places. And I find in some ways like audio podcasts have done better than video stuff. You know, of this thing, like people are more, would more rather listen to something than watch it in a podcast style format, like people talking about something, which I find just fascinating that uh, it's almost like going back to the days of radio in a funny way. Yeah, I know a lot of people like their long commutes or like yeah. I work twelve hour night shifts that I can yeah. listen to podcasts on, and I think so that's I, a lot I need of twelve hours of stuff every <laughs> shift. I'm not so. I'm not going to talk that long, dude. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. <laughs> You're right, and I, I mean I sit in the studio working all day, and a lot of times I might I put movies and stuff on. And I'm really more listening to the movie than watching it. I'll look up at every couple of you know minutes or something, see if something that I need to see. But most of the time, I'm just listening. And that's where, like I said, I listen to podcasts too, and I find it's very, very helpful when you're doing stuff like that. So I think that's maybe it. people jogging, walking the dog, whatever. It's just conducive to that that world. But it's it's kind of cool. I, I'm I'm really happy that it's happened. It's you know it's fun, and we we get to do it too. Yeah. It's hilarious. All right, why don't we take a quick break here? We'll come back and finish this off, and uh, yeah, then we'll move on to the uh, the island. Sounds good, boy. Yeah. Fantasy factoid. Hey guys, this is a fun fact about sleeping beholders. Sometimes a beholder's dreams are dominated by images of itself or of other beholders, which might or might not actually exist. On extremely rare occasions when a beholder dreams of another beholder, the act creates a warp in reality from which a new, fully formed beholder springs forth, unbidden, seemingly having to appear to thin air in a nearby space. Hey guys, we're back, and uh, Jim and I were just chatting before this about, um, you know, a lot of people really struggle with homebrew stuff, and that's, I, mean, I get it, I totally get it, it can be very scary or feel daunting, but don't let it be, just have fun with it, like honestly, just get in there, have fun. Um, if you get stuck, think about a movie and, and steal mm-hmm. a couple of parts from a movie and like the ideas and work with it. Um, I would say that probably a good thing to do if you've never done a homebrew campaign or world is just do a, a one shot or a two shot and make that your little homebrew session and see how it goes. And if you enjoy it and it works, then get bigger, expand and get bigger. It doesn't have to be just a movie either, like any media. No, no we've talked about uh, so many a, times. a song that you like, like anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anything, anywhere you, anything you get inspiration from that can help you devise. Cause you're, you need to think about it as situations, right? Like that's really what D and D is. It's like a, a situation that leads to another situation that leads to another situation. So it's what, how can you create that situation? What, it, what, it, you know, what's the driving force behind that? And, and as a DM, you're always feeding your players, right? Like, and I know people talk about that being railroading. It's not. The players are going to walk into a room. You're a DM. You need to explain what's in the room, right? So, if telling the people what's in the room is leading them or railroading them, well, fine, it is. But you're just explaining that room to them so that the players can interact with it. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I've had players do wacky stuff that I just would not have thought about, you know. Like, you get a player going like, I want to pull up the floorboards. Mm, okay. And it's like your brains are thinking, cool, what's under the floorboards? <laughs> I never thought of anything under the floorboards. But then all of a sudden, you know, you pull up floorboards. So you know what? You find that the top of like an old well that's been covered with an old round flagstone. Ooh, you know, so we pry up the flagstone, what's underneath? And you can hear the sound of dripping water below. It's like, all of a sudden they start going down a well. That was never in your notes. That was never on your mind. But now they're exploring a subterranean well. How cool is that? Because some crazy person in the table (laughs) wanted to pull up the floorboards, you know, or they found a sack, you know? Um, I had players one time, almost like they're in a video game. They just wanted to smash all the chests. Anytime they found a chest or a crate, they were just trying to destroy them. And so one of them, I had them break it open and inside they found some old dried wheat and a dead rat. And so someone laughed and said, oh, I'm taking the dead rat. I'm like, cool. They never looked inside the dead rat. There was a diamond inside of the dead rat. They carried this dead rat around them for like, I don't know, 40 games. No one ever looked inside the rat. And there was this diamond inside the rat. But it, it's just... Players are going to do stuff that you don't expect. And when they do, go with it because that'll mm-hmm. be the funnest stuff, right? And random roll charts too for that stuff. If you if you can't think of it on the fly, all right, yep. let's let's go to a roll chart. Let's see. 
Yeah, have those on hand, have those charts available, have a list of names, NPC names. We said that before, because people are always gonna say, you know, you'll say you go into the room and there's, you know, a guy over in the corner uh, sitting at a table. What's his name? That's the first thing players say, what's his name? And like, so whenever people say, what's his name? I say, well, I don't know. You haven't introduced yourself, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you don't know his name until you talk, go talk to him. And then while they're doing that, then you think about what his name is. But if you keep a list of stuff next to you of names, and then you can just cross them off as you use them or make a note next to him, who is what, um, that's important. So you're not going to, um, uh, its name is Bob. Yeah, that's it. His name's Bob. You know, you want to have a cool name. It doesn't want to just be, sorry, anybody out there with the name Bob? Cool name, but not, not for D&D. Yeah, so you want to have a, a, a name that you can use. Uh, having those kind of things on hand are very important. Things that you can just quick go to things. Yeah. Um, speaking of names, is it true that Sean is short for Parmesan? See that? Did you see that? Was like on a, a TikTok thing or on some kind of Instagram thing? <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, my first name is Parm, and my Parma, and my middle name is Sean. Oh, okay. I, I just wanted to. I just you want to check that might be true. So yeah, yeah I see. Is that the bad joke right. of the show? We yeah. talked about that, didn't we? About doing <laughs> adding a bad joke to each show. And I've been all over it. There you go. That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, homebrew is such a it's such a crazy open thing you know you know what i mean like there's so much to it and and it, it's almost a little bit hard to talk about in a way because it's um it's so open and, and i think you just have to dive in and try it out and i think what i said earlier is probably the best way to do it do it on a smaller scale mm-hmm. you know come up with a tell your friends you're going to put on a couple of games for them and just imagine up the whole thing and have fun with it and uh, create a little little world and you know, and if it really works, expand it. Go beyond the couple of games, turn it into a campaign. But just start start small first and see how you do. And uh, if you ever get stuck too, like I know I've done that sometimes too, even in my own homebrew world where I just, either I don't have where the players are going, I don't really have something that works in my mind or I or A, I don't have the time. So I'll just do a little looking and find a module that seems to fit well into it, into my world, into that. And then I might change some of the names and stuff and I'll use that module. And there you go. That will hold you over for a couple of campaigns, a couple of games, sorry, till you get to the to a next stage where they go somewhere else that is more in line with what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. Again, it's just taking different scenes and connecting different scenes, right? And if one of the scenes is a, a you know a, a module for a while, totally fine. And, and dude, there are so many modules out there. I, I stumbled oh, yeah. across a site that has like pretty much every TSR module available. And, and you don't have to be, if you're playing 5e, which is great, you can pull a module from AD&D, you can pull a module from anywhere. You just have to scale it up and change a few things, but the guts of it, the story is still totally fine. So yeah, you can always just go and do a search, find a module, plunk that in for a couple of games, and then get back to your homebrew building, right? Yeah. And then like for all creativity, I always, I like to strike when the iron's hot. So whatever interests you, right? Like don't, don't suffer and write an underdark campaign if that's not something you're feeling. Like if you love pirate stuff, write yeah. a pirate one shot. Yeah. 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 Cause at the end of the day, it's all about the, it's all about you. It's, it's not about your players. It's all about you. You're the, <laughs> you're the DM. You're having to create all this world, do all this work. You want to make sure you're having fun in it. And yes, I mean, you obviously want your players to have fun, but normally if you're having fun, your players are going to enjoy it too. And like Jim said, if it's something you're interested in, you're going to be way more excited about it than you would be about forcing yourself to go and do a campaign in a, you know, a volcanic mountain thing, just because somebody wanted to do it. You don't want to, mm-hmm. but some, you know, and then you're forcing yourself. That's never fun. I tend to find if you are creating a homebrew world, something that can be very helpful to you at the beginning of that uh, campaign or set of games is to have the players meet an NPC early on that helps them through that world. I mean, it's been done so many times. It's a very common thing to do, but it is really worthwhile to have that NPC running around and helping out the players and um, usually at some point in the, the campaign, that NPC goes their own way or whatever. But it's great to have that person helping um, explain that world to everybody. And then it gives you as a DM the chance if somebody says, you know, it doesn't understand where they are, that NPC can say, oh, yeah, no, I've been here before. And then the NPC can tell them about it without it being just you, the DM, giving them basically free information. Like it's it's kind of works nicer that way. And yes, Sean is talking about Gandalf. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, helps him out, tells him where to go, goes yep. his own way for a while, comes back to help. Yep, there you go. That's it. That's pretty much exactly what it is. So uh, create your own Gandalf. Doesn't have to be a wizard. No. <laughs> cool. Do we have anything else to chat about for kind of how to do your own homebrew stuff, Jim? Do you have anything else? 
I don't think so. I just kind of want to get the second half of that island figured out. I want to get to the island. That's cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. I hope that helps uh, go over some of that stuff. We know the homebrew stuff is very interesting uh, for people. So if you have any questions, uh, please get in touch with us. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of us, Jim? Uh, crystal ball at 13 sided die.com. Did you have it written down or just yes, go memory? Oh, I did. Whoa, look at that. That's awesome. I love to put them on the spot. Yes. <laughs> drop us an email. We've had a number of you out there send us emails. It's very nice of you. Um, we are uh, more than willing to respond. Um, uh, yeah. Drop us a line. If you have any questions or any comments, if you've had a good homebrew, uh, world that you've created, tell us about it. That'd be really cool. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're probably good for this segment, huh? Yeah. All right, let's make that island. Let's go to the island. Have you ever wanted to build your own D&D train or fantasy dioramas? Looking to learn how to make amazing RPG displays using simple tools and materials? Want to engage with over 30 talented artists who are excited to share, support, and inspire? Well, look no further. My name is Sean and I've been an artist for over 40 years and I offer easy to use tips, tricks and tutorials on terrain building through my Patreon site, The Pink Foam Brigade. For the cost of a couple cups of coffee a month, you will have access to over 160 posts, more each week, all positioned to teach you to become an amazing maker. Come join us, become the newest brigadier, and let me help you on your crafting journey. Search for The Pink Foam Brigade on the Patreon website. You won't be sorry. <laughs> Homebrew building. All right, guys, we are now in the uh, second part of the show here. We're going to talk about the uh, homebrew world that Jim and I have been creating. And uh, it's uh, an island. We came up with the idea of having uh, your players dumped on a deserted island. And uh, I think that's kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, I believe we talked about some kind of sea beast, like a kraken or something that is out in the ocean, almost like patrolling it not letting the players like get a boat or make a boat or something like that to go and sail away on. So they're kind of stuck there, which I think is kind of interesting. What other things did we have come up with last, last game or last, uh, last game, last pirates, show? pirates come in a giant airship and then come with right. little airships to steal the fire elementals. Right. From the volcano. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Warrior halflings that live in little hobbit holes on the side of the volcano that it's kind of naturally built that they kind of built into. I love that. And we, we, I think we said as well, the halflings were uh, not friendly at first. And it depends how the PCs react to them, on whether they become friendly or if they stay hostile, right? Yeah. Uh, the scary gr- four-armed uh, gorillas. Right. And those are called um, Aboreal Grapplers. And that's from the Tome of Beasts. Nice. I know nice. I've seen them before. <laughs> and we, we said they're going to make like strange sounds at night. So that kind of scared the players on that first night they were there, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Screech and then uh, day blind. Nice. Nice. I like the idea that uh, because of these um, pirates taking the fire elementals, I think I like the idea of the volcano being upset. And mm-hmm. so maybe um, you would do a random roll. And at certain times, if depending on what was rolled, the volcano has like a mild eruption where it's like firing out almost like meteors of lava things. And so they're crashing down around people. So your players could get potentially injured or things could catch fire because it's erupting these little things, which the more the pirates take away, the more frequent these things happen. Maybe like that'd be a fun thing to add to the world, a piece of danger. I love that random volcano eruptions. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Right. So what I was thinking for that is, um, the fire that the, there's like a giant fire elemental, almost like a God demigod yep. in the volcano, like real deep. And if enough fire elementals get stolen, that dies and that opens up a rift to the elemental mm-hmm. plane of fire. That's cool. That's really cool. So they're really, whoever the, the little halflings and the players, they, they, they need to stop this from happening. That's kind of the main goal in a way. That was cool. And then I thought the pirate's leader could be yep. a water genasi. Ooh. Once again, that's so, cool. You know, some turf like wars that. with the old elementals. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of neat stuff you can add. I think we talked about having uh, the pirates having a base on the island. Mm-hmm. 
and then you could decide if there's people that stay at the base when the pirates leave or if they just use it only kind of like a you know, uh, a shack when they're doing, you know, like if someone goes and does their uh, ice fishing, they have a shack. Like maybe is it like that? Just when they come, it waits for them. So you could make that decision of which way you want to go and the players would have to go investigate it. So maybe they investigate when nobody's there or they investigate and they have to fight people as well. So that that's kind of a fun thing to do. And yeah. um, this could have been going on for quite some time. So maybe it's a fairly good stronghold. Like it could be made of, you know, brick and wood and actually have a certain size to it. Or maybe it's not very big at all. So... It's a lot of fun. You could work with that. I think it's kind of cool. I'm thinking uh, maybe it's underwater because it's the Warjanassies. Oh, that's kind of cool. So then it's even so now the players they can see it down yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah. some uh, little pool of water. That's cool. Yeah, you could have them following some of the bad dudes in one time and and watching them and figuring out that they're going maybe like behind a waterfall to pick a trope and have them from the waterfall goes down into an under underwater area. That'd be pretty cool. Everybody loves a behind the waterfall. Secret you gotta have engines. a wa- you gotta have a behind the waterfall. Like that's always fun. Um, yeah, that's cool. So being a volcano, you could have natural hot springs and stuff, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, I had a volcano in an- another game I played, and I had like geysers that would go off every once in a while. So as the players are walking around, a geyser could shoot off as well. So hot water goes shooting up, but it's all the debris and stuff it it sends around as well. So players could get potentially, you know, not majorly but mildly hurt from that type of thing. That's another um, environmental thing you can have going on, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So any magic, do you think, other than the fire elementals? Is there any kind of magic? Is there anything we need to look at doing that way? Because, I mean, going back to what we talked about in our first part of the the show, we talked about having, like, you know, what is the legal system? What is the governing system? What is the et cetera? Now, this being a deserted island, and it's kind of more of a mob rules type situation, but we are addressing some of these things. Um, You know, the inhabitants of the islands are mainly beyond creatures are the halfling tribe, and they've obviously got their own rules and laws and their kind of stuff. The uh, main fire elemental, that's also a, in some ways, almost like a monarch kind of situation ruling over the island. Um, I think that little halfling guys obviously pay tribute to the fire elemental. So they could do some neat stuff like that, you know, like, is there anything else? Is there another faction that we want to add into it or something or... Um, Actually, well, it's, we, funny. it's funny. We you talked said about that. something, didn't we? Did I well, add something? Yeah, we said ancient lizard folk. Oh, we did. Labyrinth under the island. But so in my notes, I got here halflings all have fire magic in them since they nice. worship the fire elemental god. There you all go. All have some fire cantrips and some shamans have fireball. There. Definitely very resistant to fire. Love it. Love it. Because they live on a volcano too. So totally, totally. Yeah. You know what? I like, I still like the lizards. Uh, and maybe if they have a base underwater, they have to keep fighting off the lizards that are underwater. They're more like more aquatic. Mm. And so that's kind of where you bring the lizards into it kind of thing. There are, so when the players, if the players try and venture down into the, uh, the, the sub aquatic area of the pirates, maybe they wind up fighting lizards as well. These lizard creatures, uh, cause they're in the water. So anyways, Certainly stuff that you could add. Um, oh, that's uh, cool. Um, I thought all isle, or all food on the island would be extremely spicy because of the nature of it. That's cool. Just, I don't know. That's always such a fun, stupid thing to do as a DM. Just put weird stuff like that in there. Yeah, oh, you yeah. eat a coconut and it's it's real spicy. It just tastes like there's a lot of pepper in this coconut. Totally. <laughs> the what? And then they, you know. Yeah, put the players off their guard, right? Like they're not in a situation they normally are. And then they have to do like constitution checks. To see if their body can handle this food that's way spicier than they're used to. Yeah. They make them so they have to keep boiling water and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's really fun. And when you think about, like, you know, any kind of a castaway type of situation, a book or a movie, like we said, when they first get there, when we talked this last episode about so many things they have to do, right? Like, um, first is trying to just find everybody because I think everybody be littered up and down the coast. Um, find any supplies that get washed up. They need to go and find uh, something for shelter that night. Can they make a fire? Um, I think although it's a volcano, I think it gets very cold at night. Mm. You know, it's one of those situations where you're, it gets cold at night and it's hot in the day type of thing. So then you got the, yeah. the extremes in temperature. So they need to find some form of shelter. Um, tropical, we could have rainstorms roll through. Big, heavy kind of a tropical rainstorm is bizarre where all of a sudden it's like pouring with rain in like seconds and it lasts for like 15 minutes, half hour, then it's gone. And then the sun comes out and it's gorgeous hot, but that burst of rain that comes down is crazy. So I think it'd be neat to have stuff like that. Potential flash floods. So many things you could do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love all that elemental stuff. Okay. Totally original idea. Yeah. There's portals 
on portals on each side of the island. Yeah. Interesting. But they're fire portals, so that you take a little, you take like a D4 Ooh. Uh, fire damage when you go through them. And you get shunted out to a different portal. That's a really good idea, Jim. Thank you. It's original. I think there should be a toll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Have uh, halflings at the portals. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that'd be kind of cool, eh? Like little uh, portals that can shunt you around the island. Yeah, and they're just natural. Yeah. Like they're just from some elemental fire rift thing. Yeah. I don't know. Magic. That's how, that's how I, like I explain it. it. Yeah, magic. I don't know. I don't have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. And then cool. Um, what else I got in the notes? Mermaid vendor. Oh. That's all I got. Mermaid vendor. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea of mermaid. Mermaid's yeah. kind of fun. So I just thought maybe randomly you'll see, you know, they think it's a kraken tail or something. And then, oh, Ooh. no. Like, what is that? And then a mermaid swims up and can hook him up with some sweet items. And That's cool. It'll be you like could- one of those things where it's like it's random. She has random stuff every time. That's fun. We could tie a mermaid to a higher power too. There could be like a um, uh, a, 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 a goddess of the water or something like you know, like mm. some kind of thing like that that is of good nature, and she's feeling the disruption as well. And maybe that's something that can uh, help aid the players or something if they're, you know, if they discovered her and were nice to her or something, or you like create some kind of alliance that she might be able to help them or something. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, cool! Kind of like that Lady of the Lake type of feeling from Excalibur, like something like that. Maybe you know. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and then we can put some mermaid corpses, some Ooh. bones down Ooh. in the uh, lizard folk labyrinth. Oh, scary. To make the players even more invested in that once they've yep. warmed up to the mermaid vendors. Yep, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's fun. It, it's neat how you can. Yeah, and the thing about it is, like, I mean, people listening to this be like, well, what is it the players got to play? You guys have planned it all out. No. Like we're just, we're creating a world that the players can go and do stuff in. It's up to the players. The players don't have to befriend the um, halflings. They might always be at war with them too. Mm -hmm. Um, The players may never find the lizard folk. Like that might not be something, but you need to kind of, you need to have stuff in the world to find and to interact with. If you don't, then you're, I'm sorry, you don't have to. You can have it just be, tell them it's an island, have them go explore and make it up on the spot you are really on and having to do a lot of mental thinking to create that world on the fly. It's nicer just to have done some work up front, create a world for them to go and um, discover. And then you've got notes and things on it. And if you've added things to it, like, you know, the lizard folk don't get along with the halflings and da da da, and you've got that kind of dynamic set up, then it's a lot easier for you to explain it to the players and them to kind of exist in that world. Yeah. So. Um, level one wizard takes that uh, fire portal, takes t4 damage it's half their health yeah they're not gonna go back in that portal probably no no not unless it was like a an emergency yeah so you know some some players might have nothing to do with those portals yeah and you probably have like the lizard folk can't do the portals like oh, because yeah, of their body because of the way mm-hmm. they have to be moist all the time they can only be above ground for a certain length of time they cannot go through a fire portal so it could be an escape route away from a, mm. lizard, a roving band of lizard folk or something they could use it that way maybe yeah oh i like that is there some treasure on the island? Of course. So we, you know, and that could be that maybe on like the the south part of the island in a cliff face, someone notices like this. You're looking and you see almost like um like Petra, you know, um in Jordan the from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The the carved entrance is right in the face of the cliff. You could have something like that on the cliffs on one of the sides of the island, and that can be like an old ancient civilization that existed there, and the kind of nothing to do with the pirates, nothing to do with anybody. The players go and explore that and it's, uh, could be undead, but deep within the, you know, the insides of that is maybe a, a great fortune, a great treasure that they come across and maybe some weapons they can use against the pirates. But that can be a whole little adventure of exploring this, you know, climbing down the cliff face to get to the entrance and then going through it. And that'd be kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And if they don't hate the uh, lizard folk enough by then, you, the lizard folk found that as well. And now they're stealing yep. that treasure and bringing it down to their labyrinth. Yeah. Part, when you get deep enough into it, it starts getting wet. Yeah. And as it gets wetter, you come across the lizard folk, which would be cool. So, yeah. 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 I love it. I think it's, it's really, it's a fun, uh, Jim, I really, I think this is a, a, a great little world that's being created. And I think anyone listening, should realize, like we said earlier, just that talking the two of us and bouncing these ideas off each other, how much of a world y- you can create. Like I can envision this world and I would love to play in this world. Like I think that would be a, as a game, sounds like a really fun game. Yeah. Yeah. A two or three one shot for this. You could easily 
Totally. Get that all out. Totally. We could totally, if we wanted to, we could, we could go in, we could um, uh, tail of the manicure this thing, and uh, we could literally go through and have the second segment of our show, we could actually do a little run through of it, random rules, random things, and we could actually do something like that if we wanted to in the future. Mm, might have to do that. It'd be kind of crazy. We'd probably have to get John to come on as well to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to aid us and to have fun with it. But um, yeah, I was thinking the other day, it'd be kind of fun. If we created this little homebrew world, it could be kind of fun to run a little scenario through it if we wanted to. And that'd be a whole episode, I think. I think so. Just do a whole episode of running through this little world and having like scenarios going on. I, I will not let this just be a part two sort of, I want this for the whole shebang. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maybe that'd be kind of fun. What we could do if we wanted to is we could take turns being a DM and kind of player, mm. which would be kind of fun. For each little part, yeah. maybe. Or we could be stupid and we could go and create this and we could invite some of our friends like Mike Chubbs and a couple others and we could actually do a live game and record the game. Yeah. The, the world is our oyster, my friend. We can do whatever we want. Maybe you guys tell us what you'd like to see. Would you like to see Jim and I do this between the two of us and just kind of work our way through it, very much like John from Tale of the Manicore does, where he kind of does random roles and he kind of explores it? Um, would you like us to go and uh, bring some others in and actually play a game and have people go through this little world? Like, there's lots of options. You guys tell us what you think. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, and how will they cool. let us know, Sean? Uh, I didn't write it down, but I think it's uh, Crystal Ball at 13sideddie.com and you can email us he's good bang we also have an instagram account too oh yeah right what is it 13 sided die podcast 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 yeah, yeah. I, think I think so should, I think just sure, right sure. just type in 13 sided <laughs> die and i'm sure it'll pop up it'll pop, pop up but you can check that on instagram you can message us there yeah. um yeah i do, do we need to talk anymore do we need to add some more to our little world or do we create i think we created a pretty full world eh yeah, I don't think there's anything else we could add to make it cooler, honestly. No, I think it's pretty up there. Like pretty that's rad, pretty, so. pretty cool. Yeah, so, no, thanks, John. That was a lot of fun. I love doing yeah. this kind of stuff with you. That really was fun, wasn't it? Um, I think we kind of were looking forward to this uh, part of the episode doing this, and I'm glad it worked out. It's, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So if any of you guys out there, if you, if you would like to use the world that we created, please feel free. This is uh, not a copyrighted thing. It's just for fun. But if you do, you have to tell us about it, though. You have to tell us how it went. Yeah. And how can they do that, Jim? How can they tell us? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know our email. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if that's good, then we'll probably uh, wrap it up there for uh, for this segment and uh, call it good. Sounds good, boy. I'll see you at the end of the show talk. Sounds good, man. Next time on 13-Sided Die. All right, guys, that kind of is uh, the show, the homebrew show, part two, I guess. Yeah, first part or first two-parter episode. Pretty crazy, hey? Look at that. That feels like a badge of honor or something. Yeah. We should get badges made. 13-sided sure. dye patches. Oh, definitely with our logo. Cool. Yeah. We still need the t-shirts. Yeah, I know. Chris was upset. He really wants one. Um <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that was a really fun episode. Uh, thanks, Jim. I really had fun doing that, and the yeah. two-parter was really fun. Um, we want to talk a little bit about next episode. We're very excited about this. Uh, Jim received an email. Um, a gentleman reached out to us. Jim, you want to tell everybody a little bit about this? Uh, yeah, I got an email from uh, James from Siege Studios. Right. And he is a commissioned Warhammer painter. Incredible and, painter. Like, yeah. Like, Wow. And uh, yeah, he wanted to come on and just answer some questions about uh, mini painting and commissions and Warhammer and all that good stuff. So we haven't had a mini painting episode yet. So no, no, we haven't. And so I know Jim put it out on his Instagram, asked if anyone had any questions they might want to put forth. Um, this episode will go out and we'll be talking to James uh, probably in the next week or so. So if you guys have any questions you'd like to ask James, uh, and please check out the website. It's just insane. I, th I think they do training as well, do they not? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, training. So if you guys have any questions that you would like us to ask James, please uh, send them to us. And uh, we'd be more than willing to pass that along and get some cool answers from James. Uh, quite excited about that episode. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And um, we'll have to you know grill him with the extremely difficult... Uh, morally questionable questions from us. Like uh, we, we are going to, this poor guy's going to feel like he's being tortured. Yeah. That's what we're known for on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ask what is our your first guest about that. <laughs> yeah. What, what's your three favorite pies? <laughs> um, it's all good. 
And uh, so, yeah, please, guys, that'll be in a couple of weeks time. Tune in. Uh, we're very excited about that. And um, uh, what else we got going on, Jim? Uh, we like to read nice messages that people leave us. So we got a nice one from uh, Brian from Wolves Dungeon on Instagram. Awesome guy. I'm actually getting some art uh, commission from him. I think nice. he's sending it out this week. So cool. Really excited about that. Um, he just wrote me a little message the other day. Said uh, 13 sided die has definitely given me a ton of tips and tricks to keep things clear, concise, organized, open, and free for my new players. Love what you guys are doing with that homebrew content. Double devil horns. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, thank you. That was very, very nice. Um, I also want to read a comment. We always read good comments. I want to read a bad comment. So, yes. um, so Michael said, you guys suck. You don't know what you're talking about. And D and D is for pansies. Th- that's what <laughs> Michael said. So thanks. Wow. Michael. Um, I know. I, no, <laughs> I'd love to get a bad message. From you guys suck. I hate you. Um, I'm just been blown away. Anytime anyone says any of those, they're so kind and so generous. It's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and we're just having fun. So we do not take ourselves seriously. You guys know that it's all about giggles and fun and just something to hang out and do. Yeah. Good, good messages are bad. Email us <laughs> crystal ball at 13sidedie.com. Let us know. We'd love both. We'll read them both up on the air too. So we totally would read them both because we just don't care. <laughs> um, I think that's about it, isn't it? I don't yeah. know if there's anything else. Um, this, yeah. This right? episode went way too smooth. I think it went smooth and I, I think we're probably, we're probably short. Maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the time. So this might not be one of our longer ones, but that's okay. It's not about the time. It's about the content. Yeah. Quality over quantity. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have, we have neither in this episode, so you're screwed <laughs> either way, but that's totally fine. So yeah, well, I think that's it. Uh, we'll probably uh, call her there. Oh, great episode. Good one, buddy. Nice chat with you. All right. See you guys next time. See you guys. Bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.